There is always something gratifying about the spectacle of a tyrant brought low, of seeing someone who once had only to bang their desk with a fist to make a whole nation jump, reduced to pitiful excuses and pettifogging procedural quibbling as they seek to evade responsibility for their actions. Guinea has little enough reason to be grateful to its former president, Moise Dadis Kamara, but his much-anticipated testimony in a Conakry court this week has performed inadvertent service to the hope that justice can eventually be done. Kamara was a little-known army captain when he seized power in Guinea in December 2008, leaping to fill the vacuum created by the death of interminably serving President Lansana Conte. Kamara announced that he was taking charge in the name of one of those bland yet sinister-sounding consortiums often invoked by the practitioners of coups to endow their mutiny with respectability, in this case, the National Council for Democracy and Development. On September 28, 2009, it having become clear to many Guineans that this National Council did not appear to rank democracy or development especially high among its priorities, protests against Kamara were organised in Conakry. The date was significant. September 28, 1958 was the day that Guinea overwhelmingly voted for independence from France. On September 28, 2009, the main anti-Kamara protest rally was held in September 28th Stadium in Conakry. Roughly 50,000 people attended. The protest was largely peaceful. The response by Kamara's troops was anything but. The Presidential Guard, a unit commonly known as the Red Berets, stormed the stadium. They killed at least 150 people, injured hundreds more, and subjected scores of women to hideous sexual violence. In the months following the carnage of September 28th, Kamara fell out dramatically with his aide-de-camp, the commander of the Red Berets, Lieutenant Abubakar Diakati. Diakati, fearful that Kamara was setting him up to wear the blame for the massacre, shot him, though not quite fatally. Kamara was flown out of Guinea for medical treatment in Morocco and has spent most of the time since in exile in Burkina Faso. The current trial began on this year's anniversary of the September 28th massacre. Kamara returned to Guinea vowing to clear his name and was promptly detained. Ten other men are also on trial, including Kamara's former ally and would-be assassin Abubakar Daikiti, who was arrested in Senegal in 2016. Daikiti testified in October. Dressed in green and gold robes, he, not altogether surprisingly, blamed Kamara for the crimes committed in 2009 and claimed that his own presence at the stadium on the day had been motivated only by a pure-hearted determination to evacuate senior opposition figures for their own safety. Kamara was actually due to appear in court last week. He did, but only for a few minutes, as long as it took him to plead illness, specifically malaria, a broadly plausible claim which the judges chose to indulge.
While recovering, Kamara appears to have done some reading, or at least some googling. His eventual testimony this week was short on contrition, acceptance of responsibility, that kind of thing, and long on meandering quotations from Immanuel Kant, Heraclitus, and several Egyptian pharaohs. Dressed in yellow and black robes, he punted blame for the 2009 massacre back in the direction of Diakiti, and also implicated his eventual successor as president, Alpha Conde, currently a pretty convenient scapegoat. Conde, a veteran opposition campaigner, became Guinea's first legitimately elected president in 2010, but attempted constitutional chicanery to prolong his term, prompting violent protests. He is currently enduring a disconsolate retirement awaiting a trial of his own, not leavened by this week's news that the United States has sanctioned him personally over human rights abuses. Guinea is reportedly gripped by the courtroom drama which is being broadcast live, and that, whatever the final verdict, will have a value of its own. If more military strongmen find themselves wittering and whimpering in the dock, fewer military officers might be tempted to overstep the terms of their oath. And the coup d'etat is, sadly, still a depressingly common manoeuvre in African politics. In the 2020s alone, there have been coups or attempted coups in Mali, the Central African Republic, Niger, Sudan, Burkina Faso, Sao Tome and Principe, and indeed Guinea, which has been ruled since October 2021 by Colonel Mamadou Doumbouya, who overthrew President Alpha Conde. It must be hoped that the colonel is among those tuning in to Captain Kamara's undoing. For Monocle 24, I'm Andrew Mullet.